0: Namaste Jai Hind. Today's podcast is a rags-to-riches story. It's about India-US relations. It's about a story of a first-generation immigrant who made it in the US. There are thousands of people of Indian origin who are at the top of the pyramid in the US. My guest today has not just a rags-to-riches story but an inspiring one. It hasn't been an easy life by any yardstick. Shri Thanedar, is a representative from Michigan's 13th Congressional District since 2023. In India recently, Shri Thanedar was part of a powerful bipartisan American congressional delegation led by House of Representatives India and Indian Americans, caucus co-chairs Rokhanna and Michael Waltz. They were part of the Indian Independence Day celebrations at the Red Fort and also got to meet Prime Minister Modi. The delegation also went to Mumbai, where they met corporate leaders, spent time understanding India's digital public infrastructure, visited the Western Naval Command and met figures from Bollywood. Thank you for being part of the podcast, Congressman Thanidar. But before I begin the podcast, एक सूचना कि जो जब मैं congressman Thaneedar कहती हूँ, उन दर्शकों के लिए, उन सुनने वालों के लिए जो US Congress के बारे US politics के बारे में ज़्यादा ना Indian National Congress के साथ कोई रिश्ता नहीं, कोई तालुकात नहीं Dharasal, the United States Congress is the legislative or lawmaking branch of the United States government and Sri Thanedar is part of that. Yani congressman Thanedar kehti huu, to iska ye matlab nahi hai ki Thanedar ji ka Congress party, Indian National Congress ke saad koji rishita ya talukat ho. Now that I've got that out of the way, Congressman Thanedar, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. Um, very happy that you're here and just before you're about to fly out uh, back home. So you've just had a meeting today when we are recording uh, on the day that you've had a meeting with uh, Prime Minister Modi. So could you tell me a little bit or could you tell our viewers, our listeners as to what that meeting was about and how did it go?
1: Oh, the meeting went very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Modi, ji, of course, uh, spoke to me about my hometown, Belgavi. He said, when are you going to Belgao? Uh, he and I met uh, in Washington, D.C. Actually, you know, I had the pleasure to escort him when he was to address the joint session of United States Congress. This year? This year. Oh, okay. So when ji came. Okay. Uh, so I was with him. I brought him into the chamber of U.S. Congress where he created this did this great speech, his speech was so well received, both by the Democrats and the Republicans, that he got more standing ovations by both sides than any other head of state.
0: Okay. Right. And today's meeting?
1: Today's meeting was very cordial. Mm -hmm. It was not a very formal meeting. It was more about he was joking, he was telling stories, you know and uh, we, with me were there uh, seven other congress members
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, the agenda wasn't so much about um, specific issues okay. we talked about specific issues with uh, commerce minister we mm-hmm. went to the defense ministry we went to the external affairs minister so a lot of the uh, details were all worked out with different ministers and ministries mm-hmm. so with uh, modi ji it was primarily a much more of a friendship okay. getting to know each other So he told about his stories, how he first came to America, uh, how his experience was.
0: He went as a tourist. He
1: went as a tourist and he told about a story. Back then, there was a Visit USA program that Delta Airline had Mm. where uh, $500, you can travel as much as you want in 30 days. And how he... Modiji told us about how he visited 29 different states and at the time he didn't have much money so he didn't want to pay for hotels. Mm-hmm. So he would travel such a way that he will be tiling, taking the red-eye flight, that all-night flights. That way he doesn't ever have to even stay in a hotel. So he didn't spend a single dollar on hotel stay and he just uh, had a backpack with his few clothes and then he would travel. Mm-hmm. And the host that he stayed in, in Chicago, uh, that woman said uh, he, uh, that she only does laundry once a week. Hmm. And Modi ji said to her, I have to do because I have two <laughs> okay, and he,
0: I believe he still. I mean, he he. I know for a fact that he still does red eye flights. Yes. Uh, even as Prime Minister of India. Yes. Uh, now I don't know whether that is to to save uh, uh, the taxpayers' money <laughs> on hotels or whether because his agenda is so packed. Yes. As you would know, because yeah. when he came to the United States this summer, um, it was uh, it was like
1: packed with so many uh, events. It was, and you know, the interesting thing mm. was that he and I spent. Uh, Almost 40 minutes together, Mm. just him and me, no media, no staff. We were conversing. And in between, he would walk out and they will arrange a group of Indians that want to take a picture with him. So so we were going back and forth between those pictures. I saw the real Mr. Modi. He's so authentic. And we had a lot of conversation. We talked a little bit in Marathi. Mm. Uh, We spoke a lot in Hindi.
0: So the PM can speak Marathi. PM can speak Fluority. Marathi. He
1: understands Marathi, but uh, we spoke a lot in Hindi. Okay. And uh, but maybe because my Hindi isn't so good, he started talking to me in Marathi a little bit. Okay. Uh, but we had a great time together. Okay. And uh, you know, he. I asked him, "I'm a new politician. I'm just starting as a politician, Modi ji. What advice would you give me?"
2: Uh-huh.
1: And Modi ji said, uh, "Tanwar ji, just be yourself." Is okay. most important that you're authentic mm-hmm. and how you are in front of media, how you are in front of people or you, how you are, uh, uh, you know, be, without the media, just be yourself, just mm-hmm. be authentic. Hmm. And that advice I thought was very, very valuable.
0: But you have been in politics for quite some time. I'm going to get to that part um, you know um, uh, soon enough. Uh, was today's conversation in any manner like uh, because you were no you were more familiar with him because yeah. you met him before. Yes. yes. So was today's uh, meeting a little different for you as compared to the other congressmen who were with you?
1: Absolutely. you know mm-hmm. we we spoke like we know each other. Uh, you know I told you know last time I told him about who I am, introduced myself. And he said he knew about me because when I got elected to Congress, he happened to be in Karnataka, my home state Mm. where I was born. So he said he uh, he heard right where he was on the stage and they told that a son of Karnataka has now become a United States congressman. Mm. And he said, I spoke about you and I knew about you. Oh, so so it was a really uh, a very warm, nice uh, uh, friendship that we built in the United States. Mm. And it was good for him, uh, us to meet to again.
0: Uh, so in this delegation that has come from the US, uh, you and Rokanna are the ones who have roots in India. Was your experience a little different from that of the other congressmen who were there?
1: Yeah, because, you know, I lived m- most of my life, 24 years old I was. I lived in poverty in Belgao, growing up in a very financially hardship family.
0: It was Belgaum then. It and was Belgaum now then. Now it's Belgavi.
1: Belgavi now. Yeah, yeah. sure, go ahead. Yeah. 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 But, you know, I would work in a doctor's office when I was 14 years old, cleaning mm-hmm. offices, uh, earning some money so that I can help my family. Mm. The family fell in hardship, uh, financial hardship. So, uh, you know, and then in, when I was 24 years old, uh, I wanted to go uh, to US so that I can help my family, help myself. Which year is this? This was nineteen seventy nine. Okay. And uh, you know, I got an admission for a PhD program mm. uh, in US. So all Where? Uh, in Akron, Ohio, in okay, Ohio. Ohio. So all I had to do was to go to the US embassy and get a visa. In Delhi. In in Mumbai. In Mumbai. You okay. know. So in those days, you have to go. Uh, you know, I went there at five AM, stand in line. Uh, No breaks because I lose my spot in the queue. Uh And then at 11 o'clock, I got called in for my student visa interview. Across in in that window was an American woman whose name was Virginia. Hmm. So she asked me a lot of questions and I studied in Marathi medium. So I didn't speak English at all. Hmm. Not very well and uh, after the interviews was over uh, just just a yeah. second for those of
0: our viewers or listeners who are wondering uh, that belgaum marathi medium but in karnataka belgaum is in the border so there there are schools which teach uh, the medium of instruction is marathi and there are some schools where the medium of instruction is kannada and you can even go to uh, schools where the medium of instruction is english and the congressman went to a school where the medium of instruction was marathi most people speak marathi
1: Canada, as
0: well as a smattering of Hindi in Bengal. Go yeah. ahead. Sorry so,
1: to interrupt. So uh, no, no. This is, I'm glad you said that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, you know, I'm having this interview, mm-hmm. and this interview meant a lot because I needed to get that visa, uh, student visa, so I can go to America. And after the interview was concluded, uh, she put a stamp on that those papers, uh, rejected. Oh no! And uh, she told me that, Mister Tanadar, I cannot give you a visa. I'm not convinced. You should get a visa, and you know I had all these aspirations, and you know uh, everything oh, depended God. on getting that That's student visa. Sad. Yeah. yeah, and what have I had? Never lo- fainted, never lost my conscience. But that day, I lost my conscience, and I just collapsed on the ground. Were you alone? I was alone, and then uh, this Miss Virginia came out of her window. When I opened my eyes a few minutes later, I saw her holding a glass of water. But uh, she gave me the water, uh, but no visa. Oh. And then later on, I gave another, I applied again, more documents. She rejected second time.
0: She was the same officer Same again?
1: officer will get my case. Oh my God, Virginia,
0: ma'am, if you're watching, <laughs> just look where he's reached now. Okay. So
1: third time, I gave her more documents. She rejected my visa for the third time. Yeah. So fourth time, I wrote to my professor in America and I said, I'm having trouble getting a visa. So he wrote a very beautiful letter. He said, this guy, this scholar, I need him because we're working on future uh, batteries, electric batteries.
0: You were an engineer.
1: I was a science, chemist.
0: Chemist. Okay.
1: And so we're working on these batteries, which is the future. And I need you need to give him a visa. So I put that letter on top uh-huh. and gave it to Virginia Madam. And she rejected that for the fourth time, my visa. A month went by. I had no, I had no job. I was doing tutoring. I was tutoring home tutoring for IIT entrance exams.
0: Indian Institute
2: of Technology. Yeah. Okay.
1: And then mm. I took the same papers that she provided and thought, I'm going to just go submit one more time. Mm. No new information, no new documents. And in the evening, I they asked for my passport. I said, Why do you need my passport? And they said, We can't give you a visa without a passport. And I said, what, Miss Virginia, change your mind? And they said, no, Miss Virginia has gone to America for her vacation. And another counsellor looked at it and thought it was okay.
0: Oh, good for you. (laughs) Okay, but imagine, uh, you're talking about 79 when there was no visa counselling, you know, nobody to advise you on how to change your resume, how how to make your you know, uh, what is it called? Statement of purpose, right? Yeah. Statement of purpose, more interesting. How to tailor your, uh, what the documents so that universities are more interested in you and the visa officers is not suspicious. Uh, but yeah, uh, persistence, I guess. Yeah.
1: Five and now, now I, um, as a US congressman, I sit on the Homeland Security Committee. Mm-hmm. So I'm a ranking member of one of the Homeland Security Committee and I'm in charge and I'm focused on protecting America's borders. And now I'm working on making the whole visa process streamline it. Uh, more H-1B visas, I'm trying to double the number of H-1B visas. Currently, the green card backlog is so huge.
0: For years, decades even for some people, more than a decade, people who are high networked, This is what I mean, I wanted to bring this up later in the podcast, but I'm going to tell you this because you're in a position to help thousands of people who, one, you know, like you come from, uh, you know, underprivileged homes, trying their best to make it in the land of plenty uh, and in the land of hope. And uh, they want to make it in the U.S. They've been paying taxes high net worth individuals, uh, highly skilled individuals, but cannot get visas. So tell me, how can you
1: help them? So I'm trying to get rid of the country quotas hmm. because India has, and China has country quotas that make them. Um, so sometimes people are, families are waiting for 10 years, 12 years to get a green card. Yeah. A lot of hardship. But the interesting about, thing about, and this is only in America, this could happen. Hmm. The the poor boy who couldn't get a visa to get into America. Now he sits in Congress, trying to make writing bills to make the visa process better.
0: And is is there when is this visa? Do you have a time frame yeah. as to when the visa process would get better?
1: It, it is. It is a very complex thing. America's uh, immigration system, especially the legal immigration system, is broken. Hmm. So that needs a complete overhaul, hmm. a total reform, and that's a very Herculean task. So what I'm doing is I'm taking small bits of it. So I just introduced a bill that will allow uh, people with PhDs, advanced degrees, to not have to be subjected to a quota. Hmm. So they can get their green card within a year or so. So I just introduced that bill. I'm trying to introduce small bills that take care of a small piece of it. I'm sure
0: you know in this visit that you you've been here. uh, Every congressman has been asked that. I mean, you you went to Mumbai, you went to Hyderabad, I think. uh, The team,
1: uh, yes, some of the team went to Hyderabad, yeah, uh,
0: to these places. I'm sure everybody would have been asking all of you, like, what about visas? What about visas? So. Tell us, uh, tell me something about the visit. How was this visit of yours? This
1: has been a wonderful visit. Okay. Uh, today, we met with the Commerce Minister Piyush Goel, and we talked about. Uh, you know, businesses and how can we streamline. Mm. Uh, China certainly is on everybody's mind. Mm. China is, you know, very aggressive. Uh, uh, their trade policies are unfair. Uh, they are, you know, uh, they, they they are the ones that need to be stopped. And China and Russia and their collaboration is threatening and is uh, worrisome. So we talked a lot about China's aggression. We uh, Whether it's a military aggression or whether it is uh, uh, you know manipulate manipulating the financial markets or manipulating uh, mm. manufacturing mm. so uh, so india plays a very significant role mm. in stabilizing the uh, asian uh, pacific region uh, and uh, you know we're talking about a strong india us relationship mm. you know because of the non alignment pos- policies uh, right from the early uh, times uh, starting from the 1947 with the freedom uh, you know that non-alignment policy need to be looked at because Russia is no more a superpower
0: I think uh, it's the Americans who are worried about Indian non-alignment I think Indians mostly have forgotten about non-alignment but yet you know I mean, uh, technically we are still non-aligned but I think it is uh, uh, like they say you know um, the term differently abled, I think we are we are like now choosing our partners on an issue based matter i think that's what is happening with the indian foreign it policy
1: it is it is but hmm. uh, the thing is that uh, still uh, most of the military equipment hmm. is russian owned russian made hmm. uh, therefore india indian military is highly dependent on russian uh, military equipment uh, 70 80 percent of uh, current equipment. Because is equipment. America
0: wouldn't sell to India at
1: one time. They were. Yes, I agree. Yeah, but now uh, America is very eager to sell and wants that relationship. Sure. And uh, but this this switch is going to take some time.
0: Correct. And uh, I mean, you you remember the era, right? You went mm. in the seventies when the Cold War era was at its peak. Um. India was leaning Russia, though we were non-aligned. And that suspicion has not gone. And uh, you lived in India during the 71 war. You know exactly where America stood and where Russia stood. And uh, India-Russia relations has stood the test of time. So it's going to be hard for India. And I don't think India is probably ready to sever those warm ties, maybe become more diversified in its relationship. But I don't think replacement will happen uh, anytime soon or ever for that matter.
1: True. Did I you get that impression? I, I do. I do. But you know, uh, I was uh, at Red Fort uh, mm. yesterday. Correct. Sitting in the hot sun, yes. listening. But it was uh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, listening to Modi ji's speech. Yeah. And his vision for India, the way he talked about twenty forty seven, the power of young people, mm. wanting India to be uh, a economic superpower. Uh, wanting India to be uh, uh, what a developed country by uh, 2047.
0: Yeah, that's right. For the hundredth anniversary of uh, uh, of Indian independence, yeah. he said that. Did you feel that, like? Did you notice similarities between what an American president's uh, State of the Union addresses and what the Indian Prime Minister's uh, Independence Day addresses? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think what I saw in that speech was a vision. A vision. Uh, You know, it was a very upbeat, positive speech. Okay. You know, so I could see from the young people how, you know, and I saw a lot of excitement Mm. among the young people. Mm. We were sitting there in hot sun. Mm. uh, It was very, very hot, very uncomfortable. But we sat there and I saw a lot of people there with a lot of enthusiasm Mm. because he spoke uh, uh, in a very positive manner.
0: Correct. I'm going to come back to this, uh, you know, you were talking about Russia. Uh, I'm going to quote this in one of your interviews, you said, and I quote, the US would have liked it much more if India had seen Russia's aggression for what it was and what it is, which is the Ukraine one, and taken a stand, unquote. Uh, Now, if you could elaborate, uh, you know, exactly what you said, but elaborate a little more on this quote.
1: Look, uh, you know, clearly it was an invasion of a sovereign country. Mm. Uh, And, uh, you know, the loss of civilian life, Mm. uh, all of was uncalled for. And India really took its time to address that. And, and whereas United States and many of the our European allies were very quick to understand uh, Putin's dictatorship, his uh, uh, ambition, his uh, attack on a, on a uh, independent country, and uh, India took its time mm-hmm. uh, to to address that, and that's what I am really uh, saying. Uh, that uh, you know, I agree with you. I yeah. think I'd,
0: India was walking on eggshells. Yeah, so, uh, we have our energy requirements, I guess, yes. because of that. Mm-hmm. Um. The other point is about China, which you were mentioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the view on, in D.C.? Is, the, is that really the only reason that D.C. and Delhi are
1: working together, uh, China? Well, that's not the only reason, but look. Or uh, main, main reason, maybe? Uh, no, not necessarily. Yeah. India, in, uh, I- uh, there is a lot of respect for India. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there is absolutely a lot. And, and America respects economic power. Okay. You know that is uh, you know America remains the number one economic power in the world, but India is fast approaching. Currently at fifth level, very soon to be the third. So very in a, in a decade or so, we're going to see America, China, and India. These are the three economic superpowers, mm-hmm. and uh, America realizes the importance of India. Uh, you know, uh, and and America needs India. Because uh, China uh, is very aggressive. China uh, is, uh, you know, we saw supply chain issues uh, with during the COVID. chips. Yeah, during yeah. COVID, and we cannot. America understands we cannot be reliant and dependent on China. Mm-hmm. And for that, we need a partner that we can trust.
0: So India is a partner uh, now with the U.S. Is that how the U.S. sees it?
1: India sees yeah. And that's bipartisan. That's bipartisan because look at uh, look at the reception Modi's got in the United States. Yeah. Now, U.S. has made mistakes too. Hmm. Its relationship with Pakistan, it overly uh, over the friendship and military assistance and all that relationship. And I think that made India... Uh, stay away a little bit, you know, and uh, naturally it became more aligned with Russia when America was being aligned with Pakistan.
0: You know, um, while you say it's that America has realized uh, its folly in Pakistan, uh, Indians, whether it's the foreign policy establishment uh, or whether it's just the common Indians, uh, it's hard for Indians to accept that America would ever see... um, reality in pakistan they bail out pakistan regardless of what happens one view is that you they cannot have pakistan fail the world cannot have pakistan fail a nuclear powered nation but at the same time they bail out pakistan every time from hillary clinton's snakes in your backyard to whatever you know with what happened with afghanistan uh, but it you know america bails out pakistan every time so while you say that america realizes its folly Folly is a very strong word. I, nobody expects America to accept that it's a folly or a mistake. It's very hard for countries, especially a superpower, yes. to accept that it made a mistake, not even in Afghanistan. But is there a realization you feel? Well,
1: primarily democracy. You know, India remains uh, a lar- the largest democracy. Hmm. And uh, despite, uh, you know, issues, we, every country has problems, every country has issues. But... Uh, The respect uh, for India is not only the economic power, but respect for India from America is also because it's a democracy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a country where people of different religion live in relative harmony. Uh, People, you know, different... If Every hundred miles you go, you see different food, different culture, different language, and different religion. And yet, uh, this democracy... Uh, you know, uh, lives together, people live together. And that is something that America respects.
0: Is that a message that you're taking back to, you're leaving tonight, uh, tomorrow morning? Uh, is that the message you're taking back to America? And the reason I'm asking that, Congressman, is because uh, our politician, Rahul Gandhi, India's politician, Rahul Gandhi, was in the US this year, earlier this year. And uh, he said that democracy is dead or dying Uh in India. And uh, he said that Democrats or not Democrat as in the party, but people who love democracy uh, in America should be concerned. And there were Indians in the audience, as well as the organizers who said that uh, they worry for democracy in India. What did you find in India? And what's the message you take back?
1: Well, you know, uh, we see a huge uh, population of Indians that vote in elections. uh, What is it? 70-80% of the people vote Mm. in elections. There are long lines of people standing uh, with the voting card, the Aadhaar card. Uh, It's become so easy for people to prove who they are Mm. and then vote. Uh, nobody's denied uh, their chance and right to vote. And the enthusiasm uh, Indian people have, small villages, people that are not educated, uh, yet they realize their civic duty and they ensure they stand in long lines and vote. We have seen those pictures, we have seen those. So democracy, I believe, is uh, alive and well in India and thriving, and uh, India remains uh, an example of uh, how people of different culture, different uh, language, different religion, uh, you know, uh, just participate in this democratic process. We've seen in India, uh, governments have won and governments have lost. Uh, you know, back in those days where I've seen Mrs. Gandhi, mm. how popular she was, uh, then there are time when she lost uh, uh, her election, when uh, there was issues with the emergency. I was in India when the emergency was declared. Uh, so, uh, uh, Indian uh, voter is very smart. Indian voter is very, you know, understands all this and uh, they vote their mind, uh, you know. And uh, so n- it's not granted, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so the, there is a huge respect uh, for, uh, uh, for India and Indian democracy. And uh, where India has come just last 75 years, you know, uh, India has come a long way. It has achieved so much uh, economically. And now the power of India remains with its young people. You know, average age, uh, 26-year average age, there's a big chunk of Indians who are young. And this youth power is unparalleled. You know, we don't have that in the United States. Uh, Our average uh, population is much older. Uh, So India... uh, currently has a large uh, population of young people and that is the strength they are the young, these young people with their technology their skills uh, is what driving indian economy what's driving growing india and uh, that's going to propel uh, india uh, to be the maybe the number 3 superpower uh, okay. in coming years
0: so uh, you come from the democratic party and uh, Will you be taking that message back to your colleagues? Because some of them have been very critical about Indian democracy. I'm coming back to democracy, like Ilan Omar, for example. Uh, she she believes that it's all over in India. There's Pramila Jaipal. I could name several of them. And they're all from your party, uh, who don't think much about uh, democracy surviving in India, let alone thriving, which you are talking about.
1: Well, uh, you know... Uh these Congress uh, women, Congress people who are critical of India, my message to them, and when I, I say that to them, uh, in personally when I meet them, that come with me to India, you know, let me, let's don't just go to Taj Mahal and get a picture on the bench. Come with me to the villages. Come with me and see the real people and how they live in harmony. You know, look at the mosques in India. Look at the temples. You know, hundreds and millions of temples. And then you look at the mosque right across and look at, uh, you know, people worshiping uh, their own religions. And uh, are we perfect? Is India perfect? No, nor is America perfect. You know, we have our issues in America, uh, racial issues, uh, racial equity, uh, economic equity. We have issues in America, just like India has issues, uh, you know, dealing with such a large population. Mm. But I tell my congressional colleagues that uh, criticize India is that come see, don't just rely on what you read in social media or newspapers or New York Times come with me, come meet the real people of India look at how they live their lives look at their aspirations and you know you know, people should come and see uh, how India manages uh, huge uh, the elections. So are you
0: telling me that those who have what you are saying is misconception, you're terming that uh, Uh, Those who have those views about India, uh, they have been led to believe that democracy is dead or dying. Uh, They didn't make up their minds by coming here and checking
1: it out on their own. I would like them to come and see it with their own eyes like I have. Mm. Look, I understand India because I lived here for 24 years. You know, I, I worked here, I studied here. Uh, most of the people don't have a first-hand uh, experience about India.
0: So, how is their experience? How how did that get colored, or how did that get formed? Is it because of the newspaper articles? Is it because of television, or the the uh, people who have gone from India, who've conveyed that message? How did they make those views? I think uh,
1: India can do better job of uh, you know marketing itself, or talking about uh, the greatness that india has uh, often uh, the media uh, portrays india in unfairly some the social media often portrays india unfairly mm. but uh, you know this is a, a country where uh, uh, there is a lot that good is happening a uh, lot of positive thing is happening, and look at the amazing uh, economic progress India has made. So you met with
0: people, uh, you know, with several people. You've met with ministers. Uh, you've met with, I mean, your your group has met with scientists. They've met with people from popular culture and all. Uh, there was a small bit of a kerfuffle which happened about, uh, you know, one of your colleagues or one of your. Uh, Uh, people from your delegation who probably wanted to meet with Rahul Gandhi and that didn't happen what was that all about?
1: well this was a very hectic trip Mm -hmm. and the trip was arranged by uh, the Indian uh, embassy so they basically uh, really. The Ministry of External Affairs. Ministry and, of External okay. Affairs. So it's a, it was a Indian embassy managed trip and uh, there was just so much to do. Mm-hmm. And we didn't just have enough time.
0: Yeah, because it seems like uh, the Congress Party spoke with Indian journalists saying that the delegation was not allowed to meet them. And somebody from the delegation said that requests were put in and it. It just didn't fit in into the schedule. So, was the answer somewhere between these two?
1: Well, just just we, there was so much to do. Uh, we were busy all day. Uh, I just coming from Piyush Goel, the Commerce Minister. Uh, we spent a lot of time uh, with the Defence uh, uh, Department talking about, uh, hmm. uh, you know, arms hmm. and. Meeting with business leaders uh, mm-hmm. about uh, joint ventures and uh, bringing uh, American businesses to, Amer- uh, to India and um, vice versa. So there was just uh, a ton of things to do, lots of people to meet.
0: So would you like to revisit India and meet with a, you know, with politicians, not necessarily from the ruling party, but the others too?
1: Sure, well, I will be certainly open to.
0: Right. You know, uh, President Biden is coming uh, this year for the G20. Uh, President Trump had a very successful visit uh, to India uh, and he had this huge stadium and there was this massive crowd. Uh, He was pretty popular in India, even though back home the media was not giving him a comfortable uh, time. Uh, Ivanka Trump had a fabulous visit, uh, a separate visit. So uh, now comes President Biden. That was a bilateral visit. This one is not. Uh, what do you expect this visit to be like? Why didn't President Biden do a, a bilateral visit in the four years that he's
1: been president? Well, you know, uh, President Biden and uh, Prime Minister Modi, they have excellent chemistry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Biden threw a big party for him, the state dinner, yeah. which is, you know, a big deal. Uh, mm. not every uh, visiting uh, heads get a state dinner sure. and i was there my wife was there uh, and it the atmosphere was very festive mm-hmm. and uh, you could see the chemistry between uh, president biden and uh, prime minister modi ji they were joking with each other conversing uh, last time modi ji came to america he was fasting you know uh, so he could not eat yes
0: he during the navratri yeah day navratri day. so that was the earlier uh about visit. the earlier banquet
1: visit. and uh, president biden could not understand you know he went out of his way to uh, <laughs> entertain him and uh, they he threw a big party and modi ji won't eat <laughs> and he kept saying is there anything you could eat? And Modi ji saying no, and this time there was no issue about fasting. And Modi ji said he ate for both times. Okay. <laughs> but they joked about; it. they were joking with each other. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, President Biden uh, stayed with him for a long time. He spent more time than he normally spends with heads of states. Yeah. So, so they have a special friendship uh, that they have developed, just like. Uh, Is
0: uh, President Biden going to go in for uh, re-election?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: So he- that makes the two of them because Mr Modi is also going in for a re-election and both in 2024. Exactly. Quite a lot in common between so am them. I. So I. you know, <laughs> Okay, let's get to your story. <laughs> so you know, I, there's so much in uh, being written about your rags to riches story and you did mention about how you tried your immigration process. Uh tell us a little bit about uh you know, your childhood and why did you choose to go to America and that whole process of like i said rags to riches i'll yeah. leave it to
1: you to explain <laughs> well look uh, you know middle class lower middle class family six sisters a brother uh, my father uh, you know when i was 14 years old you know he had to retire and the family fell into hardship with the weddings and sisters weddings and everything so i was the older son eldest son even though i was only 14 so I was working hard jobs, uh, you know, cleaning offices, working as a as doctor's assistant, even at the age of 14. So throughout my college, I just, and I was an average student. I wasn't, a, in my SSE, I only got like 55% marks.
0: That's the 10th grade. 10th uh, exactly. grade, yeah. Correct.
1: So so I wasn't, but then I realized that if I want to go some, do something and be, reach somewhere, I got to study and I got to focus. So I studied on that. I got a BSc with distinction uh, worked in State Bank as a cashier.
0: But uh, that's a science degree and then
1: you went to State Bank. Back then, you know, in 79. There, there were not many jobs. There were not many jobs, not in science. So the okay. best job you could get is a bank bank job. Okay. And then I, you know, I did that for a little bit. And then I went to BARC, Baba Atomic Research Center. Okay. Worked there. And then, you know, eventually got to US, got my PhD. So this,
0: uh, you were in uh, Chikodi in... Uh, I was born Berg- in Chikodi. You were Bel- born in Chikodi. Bel- yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. And then uh, you went to Mumbai. Then, you know, then I lived in uh, Belgam because oh. my father Begavi. worked in a court oh. system. Yeah, Belgavi. Huh. So, because I would go, you know, he's, he'll get transferred from one uh, taluka to another. Okay. So, so we we stayed around Belgam for huh. my 18 years of my life. Okay. And
0: but, then… but. Bombay is where you were working and later
1: know? on I came to Bombay
0: which uh, also has become Mumbai so quite a lot of changes Yeah, yeah, yeah. so, between so the in Mo- so in all. Mumbai
1: I was at Baba Atomic Research Center Baba, as, working yes. as a scientist I worked there for 4 years okay. and then uh, finally got my student visa went to uh, America got a PhD in chemistry worked as a chemist in Illinois in uh, Michigan. Michigan you know in Michigan I worked as a uh, in postdoc uh, at the University of Michigan and then worked as a chemist in Missouri, and then I there's want- no
0: money coming in from back home, so you must have done odd jobs yes. during those years yeah.
1: too. And and you know what? I when I was a PhD student, I used to get three hundred dollars a month as a stipend, and then I would send seventy five dollars every month uh, to Belgium uh, to my mother, so that uh, you know she can take care of the family and uh, my brother's education. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, how I was, and then. Uh, then I wanted to be on my own, hmm. so uh, I got a loan from a bank, of seventy-five thousand dollars. I bought a little business, and then how that...
0: difficult was it to get a loan? Uh, very, it... very.
1: Six banks turned me down. Oh wow! To just to get a small amount of loan, uh-huh. and then finally a bank gave me a loan, and I started a, this little business, uh, and then it grew in in by two thousand eight. I bought this business in nineteen ninety. By two thousand eight. Uh, the business had gro- grown worth almost $200 million. So six banks turned me down. Finally, I got a little bit of money from one bank. I, I bought this little business in 1990. By 2008, the business has grown to, you know, like I bought little companies. Um, uh, I acquired some, got some money from the bank, more money and to acquire companies. So I had built a network of pharmaceutical uh, innovation research labs all across America. And in 2008, uh, during the recession time, just before that, uh, I got an offer to buy half of my business for $135 million. Mm -hmm. And then within a week, Lehman Brothers collapsed. Okay, so
0: you can't get that.
1: So the private equity could not get the money to buy my business. Uh, The bank who, from whom I had borrowed $24 million, they started getting nervous. They wanted to, because my revenue started dropping because my business was doing early stage drug development. So in a hard economic times, that business uh, was, that was not happening. Hmm. So my, I lost 70% of my revenue in that recession and uh, the bank uh, got nervous. And so they put a receiver and they took charge of my business. And uh, they, uh, when they took over the business, they gave me a box, uh, cardboard box. And they said, Mr. Tanidar, if you want to take your personal things, feel free to. As they were liquidating my business and selling all these things. So as I put my children's p- uh, pictures from my desk on that, that box. And I was walking out of the lobby and I saw two awards. I had won Entrepreneur of the Year awards from Ernst & Young. So I asked them if I can take those and they said, okay. And as I was putting those awards in my box, I said, I'm going to win another one of this someday. I come home and the bank now also owned my home. So they decided to foreclose on my home. So I lost my business. I lost uh, my home. um, I lost my cars. The bank took everything. And my wife and I took all our personal things, put it in a rental truck And we started driving. So we drove from St. Louis, Missouri to Ann Arbor, Michigan because I found out that there was another little lab that in Ann Arbor, Michigan that has also gone out of business. So I go rent that space and restart my business. And in 20... What is the business? Chemical testing... Pharmaceutical development. You
0: had no pharma experience,
1: did you? Well, I had a PhD in chemistry. Chemistry. Yeah. So, so that was good enough. Yeah, Yeah. chemical. So, my business was helping small startup companies uh, develop new medicine. So, they would come to us with an idea. We'll make the molecule. We'll put together the whole medical pills or whatever the medicine is, and we'll give them a turnkey uh, technology solution. So, that was my business. Mm. And so, uh, I restarted that business, having lost everything, Mm. in uh, 2010. I was 55 years old then. And then, the business grew very fast. Mm. And I made sure that now the business won't fail in a recession. Mm. So, I diversified in such a way. In 2016, I won that Entrepreneur of the Year Award. Oh, which you promised yourself. For the third time. Okay. And at that time, I felt, look, I've, I've been successful. I, I came to America with $20 in my po- pocket and a, and a suitcase. America has given me so much. And I, I when I traveled around America, I saw that I achieved my American dream, but many Americans uh, ha- have don't have access to that American dream. Right. You know, uh, Detroit area where I live, mm-hmm. 20% of the population is at or below poverty. Some people are having trouble paying their water bills. Hmm. Some people are... Uh, t- having trouble paying their mortgages and losing their homes. Mm. And I said, "There is, there has to be more to li- my life than accumulating wealth, you know, just becoming uh, more and more uh, wealth. For So with that thought, I decided to sell my business, uh, took some of the money, gave it to all of my employees, not just the top level employees. Every person, every employee in my company got bonuses uh, as I sold the business. And then I said, I'm going to go public service. I'm going to go help people. Hmm. And the best way to help people is to become the governor of Michigan, which was unheard of. Someone like me with an accent, having come from a foreign country.
0: First, first uh, generation First immigrant.
1: generation immig- immigrant. So I, I.
0: And it's not as if you had this massive Indian population no, there. No, no.
1: So, so I worked very hard to uh, win that because I felt that I could make a difference in people's lives. Hmm. But I lost that election. Uh, even though two hundred thousand, that is two lakh people, uh, voted for me to be their governor. Even though I don't look like them, I, even though I don't speak like them, so because but they liked my story, my story of uh, struggle, s- ne- struggle, never giving up. You know, uh, 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 you know, in nineteen ninety six, uh, my children were four and eight years old. I have two boys, and their mother, my first wife, uh, committed suicide. We lost her. And Would you like to tell me what happened? Well, you know, uh, she had a mental illness uh, that we didn't know about. And uh, she, she uh, you know, took her life and uh, it was came as a very much of a shock.
0: Where were you when she took her life?
1: Uh, she, we, I had taken the children because my brother was visiting. So we were, uh, uh, I was in a cave. Uh, there was a cave that we, the children wanted to visit, so we were there. That they, they were had taken them out of school, and she went to her work. She was a doctor, a neurologist, worked all day, uh, and then in the end, uh, when she came home, uh, she took her life. And uh, the society doesn't understand. There is a lot of taboo about mental illness. Even
0: then, and even, even then. now,
1: even now. And uh, so people kind of look at uh, a death uh, such as uh, by uh, an un- un-
0: unnatural death. Unnatural
1: yeah. death. So a lot of my friends, I had eight uh, so very close friends. They stopped talking to me. They stopped, you know, being with me. Did they blame you? They blame me. And not, not only I blame myself because in a death like that, you always wonder: could I have done anything to save her? You know, I keep going back thinking about. Uh, what must have happened? What must have gone in her mind? But at the same time... How did
0: you pull yourself out from that dark space?
1: You know, I lost my friends. Uh, I didn't have any family there. Uh, I had to deal with my children's sa- sadness. Work all day. Uh, I also had my business. Mm. So I had to manage my business that I had just started. Uh, deal with and uh, work with my children. My 8-year-old ch- son, he had a lot of difficulty. With understanding mm. uh, this death, I did some counseling myself. I took the children to counseling and I'm, I'm holding up all day. I'm working hard, working on my business, helping my children, going to their parent-teacher conferences, going to their sports events, m- making sure that the children doesn't feel neglected or not taken care of.
0: There was no family, uh, Congressman, like... Your brother, or sister, nobody in America? Nobody
1: nobody in America. My mother would come and stay with me at some time, but she didn't speak English. She couldn't drive.
0: Totally alien uh, culture
2: alien, for her.
1: Alien culture. So all day, I'm just holding up, you know, not letting my the emotions get over me hmm. and just taking care of my children, taking care of my business, dealing with the community who just walked away from me. And then at night when I, put, I read the stories to my children, put them to bed, I would go to my bedroom and I'd cry, you know. And it was a very, very tough time. Those, those days were very hard. And then three years, I took care of my children. And then, and your uh,
0: business was collapsing then, or it uh, collapsed. My business
1: then? was really doing well. Well, be- so. So my so the pressures ne- were there. to some yeah. neglect of the business still the business survived, mm. but uh, but it took me three four years to recover from all that, and in the and fortunately, uh, you know, I met somebody in Mumbai, uh, and got remarried. Hmm. And uh, it's so interesting that she and I didn't know each other, but her, she had lost her husband around the same time as uh, uh, I had lost my wife. And then, so Shashi came. I got married. My son, who was uh, eight years old, he he was very suspicious of another woman coming into our family, hmm. and he kept telling me, "Dad, how am I going to call another person mom?" And he said, uh, "We don't need to get. You don't need to get married." And then he started cooking, because he thought I am getting married, so that someone will come home and. Oh dear. So he, the the young eight nine year old boy would start cooking, and and he and I said Neil, why are you cooking? And he'll say, Look, we don't need another mom. We are fine, and I can I can help. So 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 a few years went by. I met Shashi. She was and then. I I had a nanny who was taking care of them while I visited India to bring Shashi to America. So uh, Shashi came to America, Neil was 11 years old then and uh, I wasn't sure how is he going to receive her.
2: Hmm.
1: And uh, so I brought her home and as she walked in, uh, you know, he took out a, a cake that he had baked for her. He was ready. He was ready. And on the cake he wrote uh, uh, welcome home mom. Oh and, and she's been wonderful. And she raised the family and, you know, she came into a broken family. She didn't know much of anything about America. But she came in and... Uh, You're made, tearing up even yeah. though
0: it was so long back.
1: 1996. It's like it's... Like it, yesterday.
0: Like yesterday. And what about your younger son?
1: Uh, he was too young to understand the trauma of having lost a mother. So he, 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 he was okay. But my older son, uh, does,
0: yeah. does a family ever get over a death of the kind, uh, you know, which is a suicide, somebody who takes away life? Does that like scar you for life? Does something like that never go away?
1: That, that pain never goes away. You know, it may not be as hard as, but, uh, and my son, uh, my older son still struggles with it. Mm. And we, we still, and, and there's always that feeling about what could, we could have done differently i wish i had another chance to speak with her yeah you know listen to her because you know even when you are close you never know what's going on in somebody's mind Mm. you know uh, mind is so complex and we never know really know
0: listeners and viewers uh and uh, if you are listening into this and you know of somebody who needs help reach out talk Because that's the only way to go. There are helplines available. Uh, Do call up people. Speak to your family. Um, It's not something that is there are that there are different families. Everybody goes through something of this sort. And uh, uh, thank you for sharing this. Yeah.
1: And now in Congress, I'm working. You know, when I before I became a congressman, I was a state senator, state uh, representative, like an MLA. And during that time, uh, two things I did. Uh, I knew education helped me overcome poverty, so I brought a lot of money to because I represent an area that's been marginalized, uh, su- su- you know, subject to uh, systemic racism you in know, Michigan. In Michigan, sixty yeah. percent of my um, uh, you know uh, people, Madarsang, you know what you call their constituency, mm. is African American, mm. and uh, African Americans have suffered through systemic racism decades, you know. And uh, opportunities being not provided. Uh, and uh, so what I did, first thing I did when I became an MLA or state representative in Michigan was bring money home for education. Uh, you know, I brought so much money, more money than any previous state rep has brought in. Well,
0: to, for us, it's hard to explain what does bring money home I uh, mean, if you could just elaborate yeah. on that. So,
1: so uh, basically, uh, the state government uh, has funds available, okay. right? And then uh, each of us represent a certain district, you know. 13th each,
0: district is yours, right? 13th,
1: yeah, th- in Congress now. In Congress, yeah. But the third district in the state house. State house, okay. So, uh, you know, I fought and I said that we need to have, uh, you know, uh, economic equity. Hmm. The schools in uh, low-income neighborhoods in America are typically underfunded. Yeah. So we got funding there so that these schools can hire good teachers. So
0: in this area which is depressed, economically depressed, African-American primarily, you beat eight African-American candidates and you win the Democratic uh, primary. How did you manage to do that? You don't look like... Yeah. Everybody, You don't speak like everybody. You're an Indian immigrant, first-time immigrant, first-generation. How did you manage to convince these people that you could be their voice?
1: And that was not very easy mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, everybody wants their leader, their representative to look like them, yeah, be uh, with a similar background. But, you know, what I did was I went and talked to people. Mm. Uh, not only I talked uh, to people in... Uh, uh, the more affluent areas, but I made it a point to go visit uh, the low-income areas, talk to people, be accessible. I would street, stand at a street corner mm. and talk to people. You know? People will roll down their windows and talk to me at uh, intersections. And what really resonated was me dealing with mental illness in my family uh me de- dealing with poverty me dealing with struggles and I'm still, guessing
0: that these african americans in your district with the people you voted they had gone through uh similar or somewhat similar experiences at least some of them some, some of, of them. the
1: people yeah. yeah and so they understood my struggle
0: or prejudice if nothing else yes. i mean that. there
1: is a lot of racism in america sure. still and uh, you know uh, there is a lot of discrimination uh, and uh, people, uh, you know, understood my story of struggle and never giving up and fighting for it, and uh, and and I think that's where I won a hearts. And also, but I you did, were
0: already a millionaire several times over,
1: but they didn't hold that against you. Some people did, okay. but most people understood who I was when I told my story. They understood who I am, and uh, uh, you know that is uh, who supported me. Uh, you know. Uh,
0: Congressman, you know, Indian Americans in politics. Now, um, it's not a new f- phenomenon. If if you Google, there'll be about 150. But there are some names which stick out, you know, and uh, Vice President Kamala Harris is one of them. There is curiosity in India about her as to why she hasn't come and visited. It's been four years now. She hasn't been here. Uh, whereas when she was when she stood for election, she talked about her Indian parentage, talked about that experience of her parents, um, but uh, of her mother, uh, and she spo- spoke about party, and she spoke about chitti, and all those Tamil words she used. Uh, but she hasn't come. And then there is Vivek Ramaswamy in the Republican Party. Uh, Indians are curious to know about. These two, have you met them? What do you have to say about that?
1: Yeah, I was uh, at uh, Vice President Kamala Harris's home. She had invited us uh, for dinner and uh, we had a really great conversation. Uh, She is a great partner for President Biden. Mm -hmm. President Biden has trusted her and uh, assigned her so many difficult things uh, in terms of uh, immigration issues, in terms of... uh, uh, mental health issues. So so she has been very, very active. She's one of the most active vice presidents. Uh, and uh, she uh, will be the vice president as uh, President Biden seeks another term in 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of uh, uh, the other Indian-American candidates, of course, Vivek Ramsima is a Republican. I'm a Democrat. So okay. we have policy differences on issues mm-hmm. that we differ on. Yeah. But the nice thing about America is its diversity. Mm -hmm. You know, our strength is in our diversity. And uh, America uh, values that. Mm -hmm. And that is really uh, something uh, interesting to see and admire.
0: Another American politician who's very popular in India. She's not an Indian-American. But because she's a Hindu, Tulsi Gabbard, there's a lot of curiosity about her too. Why did she leave your party? What happened?
1: I don't know what happened uh, to her, but I think she is an... Uh, I see her uh, on television as a commentator sometime. But, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, people have different, different views, different uh, issues. Uh, uh, but uh, the nice thing about America is it's very inclusive. You know, mm-hmm. uh, people... The freedom of speech is very, very important. So people can say what they have in our mind... Without fear of being persecuted, yeah, without fear yeah, of being Your
0: First Amendment, I mean, this is what many Indians find it so difficult to accept, I guess, that, you know, when uh, when Khalistanis attack the Indian uh, mission, when they uh, threaten uh, Indian diplomats, it all comes under the freedom yes. bit. Yeah. It, it's it's many Indians find that difficult to accept that freedom part.
1: Yeah, well, on television you will see uh, politicians, uh, President Biden or President Trump when he was uh, president, he was ridiculed all the time. Yeah, uh, uh, Gerald Ford, you know, he would fall and they'll make fun of him. Mm. So, uh, so it's that's the culture. People uh, really feel free to say what's on their mind, and uh, that first right of amendment, uh, first right of speech is protected, that's uh, constitutionally protected, and that's the beauty of America.
0: But this is a threat, this is a full-on threat that Khalistanis make to us. Yes, oh, so Indian that diplomats. is different,
1: that is different. Yeah. So when that happened, when they attacked the embassy, uh, they tried to uh, burn the embassy. And uh, so, uh, look, uh, First Amendment, freedom to speak your mind, everybody understands. But that doesn't mean that you have a right to do violence. Mm. That doesn't mean you have a right to threaten people's lives or take people's lives. That's never acceptable. That's never tolerated. Mm. Uh, So any peaceful protest uh, is fine. And that should be encouraged. And that should be accepted. That's our fundamental human right. But vandalism, no. Vandalism, no. Attacking uh, people's lives is no absolutely unacceptable. We will not accept domestic terrorism. We will not accept international terrorism. And we'll always... uh, And so I asked, uh, and we asked the Biden administration to uh, provide more protection uh, to, uh, you know, embassies and democratic institutions. Uh, Similarly, provide more protection uh, to temples and uh, places of worship, because uh, people should have a freedom to worship... uh, whatever God they want to worship or not worship anyone at all Uh, similarly you know same way with uh, people's uh, choice to love who they want to love Mm. so these are fundamental human rights and those need to be protected and uh, you know we fight for that
0: see uh in your country, there is nothing like uh, I guess uh, there is nothing like a flag code. Uh, burning a flag and all is not an offence. Stamping on a flag is not a an offence. Uh, in India, we have very strict uh, flag code. So uh, something like that happens. So it and more than anything else, it it just uh, it upsets people. It's mm-hmm. a sentiment. Yes, you know when you see uh, an Indian flag being stamped upon, uh, burnt uh, and defaced. Uh, in, in America, you just, Indians turn around and whether it's on social media or on the streets, and this is a country which is supposed to be a friend of ours now. It's a democracy, believes in the same kind of worldview that we do. Of course, we differ on certain issues, Pakistan being mm-hmm. one. But uh, why is it that uh, people who have such anti Indian and anti democracy views? why are they allowed to vandalize Indian property? It really, it, it is upsetting to Indians. I yeah. hope
1: you realize that. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, uh, things may be uh, unpleasant. Mm. Uh, you know, we don't like uh, uh, American flag to be disrespected. Correct. At the, yet, at the same time, uh, there is a, a price to pay for democracy. Yeah. And sometimes that means uh, you give the freedom, a peaceful protesting freedom to people. Uh, you may not agree with their views, yet uh, it's important in a democratic uh, country uh, to have that. And so that's what—that's me- why American democracy is so robust, mm. because uh, uh, people have that freedom. We may not agree with them, their views. Uh, we may not agree with their actions, as long as they are peaceful. As long as they are not, uh, you know, uh, taking lives or, or affecting uh, human beings uh, in in a in an adverse way. Uh, Freedom of expression is is fundamental to our democracy.
0: You know, you went in the uh, towards the end of seventies. Uh, it was a difficult uh, era uh, in India. Um, we just won a war, but then we, it is a post emergency India. Uh, we've gone through emergency, which was like very difficult period. Um, and uh, you go to America. How difficult was it for you to adjust to the American way of life, to the freedoms? of america was it liberating experience or was it frightening experience at that stage
1: it was extremely liberating you know back then you uh, you know you don't talk to girls you just focus on studies i you know uh, the arranged marriage and you know those that was the culture back then you were shy and i was shy and awkward. i was awkward you know i had never had a girlfriend or a, a woman friend And then I go there and uh, look at the American life and I was just mesmerized by that. Mm. Not only uh, the culture, uh, the openness, uh, the arts, uh, you know, uh, right before that, I was, I seen emergency and, you know, the, the curtailing of freedom. We had to do street theater or little ways to protest. And uh, going to this country where there was so much freedom, uh, not only freedom uh, to express yourself, but uh, freedom uh, to uh, be with uh, you know, a friend, a woman, uh, a girlfriend, you know, that was all very liberating. Mm. And for almost five years, I became so part of the American culture. Uh, almost, you know, many of the other Indian students, what they would do is they'll make a little India for themselves. They will still cook, ch- cook, cook chicken curry and uh, listen to gulam or whatever, you know. What were you doing? I was uh, with my American friends. Uh, <laughs> okay. And, you know, I was a graduate student I was in a PhD program. But the people that I found most interesting was the first and second year college students because they were living a really interesting life. They were partying and they were, you know, uh, just socializing. And I just became a part of that culture because I found that fascinating. To the point that I, and back then, you know, no phone calls, you know, there's no phone. uh,
0: There's no internet. So there's no no FaceTime.
1: There's no WhatsApping. So, uh, and I was fluent in Marathi, right? Marathi. Uh, Going there. But I had no Marathi friends and I had, I lost uh, um, an ability to speak Marathi. Uh, And after five years, I was finally able to come home. And when I'm back to Belgao, back to Belgao. And I came in with, and they thought, oh, our son has gone to America, it's become so successful. I come in here with my T-shirt and torn jeans, and they, and I couldn't speak Marathi uh, to my family. It took me a while to catch up the language. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I was just become, be, had become so part of the American culture. But then I started to realize uh, uh, the, my roots and my origin. And later on, I became the head of the Marathi organization of North America. Okay, <laughs> I wrote a book in Marathi, okay. uh, "He Shri Chi Icha, which became very popular. Shri Icha. He Shri Chi Icha. And that translates to. Uh, this is Shri's uh, desire wish. So the whole thing is. Shri about, is your uh, first my name. Okay. So the whole idea there was, um, you know, my I spell my name as Shri is S H R I, so uh, which is a little confusing here mm. in in India. But uh, I wrote my story very honestly. Hmm. You know, a lot of times, you know, the wife's suicide. Uh, normally, people would not talk about it yeah. or hide it or say something else. Yeah. And I just wrote it the way it it, it happened. Hmm. I wrote about my struggles in America. Uh, I wrote a, it very transparently, and people really like that. And I got I would get letters. Even now, I get letters from people who say that there was a tragedy in their life, whether mental illness or they had a divorce or a death, or whatever, and they said that your book gave me strength. One of the person wrote that he had bought 50 books of mine. He had given it to relatives and friends who are depressed and who have, you know, psychologically. They So many people said, uh, you know, I had given up on my life. You know, I got divorced. I felt so ashamed, uh, or, you know, whatever my son committed suicide or somebody said he got paralyzed and then he had ambition and he said after reading your book I've decided to go and do what I really wanted to do.
2: Okay. So I get
1: these letters uh, hundreds hmm. hundreds and thousands of letters uh, pe- and uh, you know that that my, my story impacted.
0: Uh, you know what, you were talking about how uh, you you made a lot of money you were successful your children have stabilized you have a new wife your happily married now and at some point of time you say no I want to give back to society now I want to come I don't know whether you've seen this movie called Swades of yes. uh, Shah Rukh Khan. Yeah, yeah yeah great so, movie yeah, great movie that immigrant experience did you at any point of time have that tug of heart and say that I want to go back home to Belgaum and I want to do something back home there because you know I've met so many Indians in America and in fact in UK in uh, abroad who have that That thing that, okay, I've made it. Now I want to give back to society. Do I give back to society here, which has already got a lot? Or do I go back to India, to my village from where I came and do something out there? Where does that, did that ever happen to you?
1: No, because, you know, look, when I went to America, I had nothing. Hmm. And America gave me so much. Look, I feel that India is fine. India has this tremendous uh, young people, strength uh, in there. So they don't need me, hmm. uh, but I saw in America uh, there are people that are struggling, hmm. uh, people that don't have access to the American dream. I saw people that are facing with, uh, uh, you know, uh, racial discrimination, uh, and I felt that this new country that I have adopted as my home uh, and my home country, I want to work and give back, you know, because America has given me so much. I, I want to give back. India is fine. India can. There is lots of good. People that are working, and in India is rising and doing fine. I need to be uh, give back to my uh, the society that accepted me, adopted me, even though I was different, even though you know I looked differently, I uh, spoke differently, and yet they accepted me. They gave me opportunities, uh, and I want to give back to this society, mm. help my community, and that's what I'm doing. I'm uh, you know helping uh, entrepreneurship. Uh, s- Small business ownership opportunities to uh, marginalized communities, underserved communities.
0: You know, so we were talking about Vivek Ramaswamy earlier. I saw this one interaction he had. It was a kind of a town hall uh, in which uh, he got asked about, uh, "Are you a Hindu, and is that going to be a problem because we have Christian values out here? Uh, you don't worship Christ, so what's what's that going to be?" And then he explained about universal values. Of all religions, uh, and then he explained in great detail what Hinduism had, and the similarity in the Christian faith, uh, and in Buddhism. He talked about all that, and he said, "I'm I'm want to run for the president. I don't want to run for a pastor's job." So, um, of course, there was then uh, there was laugh uh, going around all over. Things like that. So did that come up uh, when you were standing for politics? You're born into a Hindu family. Absolutely,
1: yes. So So I think what American people want is authenticity. hmm. You know, because a lot of politicians want to portray an image of something that they may not be. Hmm. So I think uh, America's realizing is that an American voters, what they want is somebody that is authentic and genuine and honest and transparent. Hmm. And that's what what I have done. I have been gone there, said who I am, what my story is, uh, not uh, trying to modify it, not trying to change it. And then I I go make it a point to go listen to people.
0: Did you play down uh, the fact that you are a Hindu?
1: No, absolutely not. You didn't. So I, uh, you know, so the, and again, my religion did not figure into, because, you know, America is uh, a melting pot. America has uh, you know different religions and religious freedom is a uh, constitutionally guaranteed right. Uh, so absolutely, but absurd.
0: it did, right? I mean, it does figure. We know what happened with President Obama. The number of times that it was written in—I mean, Donald Trump said it that he's a Muslim, and it kept on and on and on. So, religion does matter in the
1: U.S. It, it does because you know those things that are uh, extreme uh, conversation like that gets media picks it that up, and there's a lot more. Talked about his birth it. Birth
0: certificate kept coming up. <laughs> kept,
1: I know, right? I, know. I mean, but look, that didn't stop people. We from, read about it in India. I so. know, but that didn't stop people from no, electing a person Correct. that is that looked different. You yes. know, there was never been an African American chosen as a president of America. Yeah, and despite all that criticism, because he brought hope.
2: Hmm.
1: What Obama brought was hope, hmm. and he communicated and articulated his vision so well, uh, and people elected him. Look, uh, there's only about fourteen percent of uh, Americans are African Americans, and yet uh, he uh, he got elected and he got re-elected. He served uh, America as its president for eight years. Mm-hmm. So, so that is the greatness of America,
0: right? That yeah. it's also something that Indians like about America, and uh, I mean. Indians want to go to america they when they go on holidays uh, when they visit relatives uh, when they go to study uh, in the us uh, that that acceptance for of contrarian views exactly it, that is something that india finds uh, you know that we are akin to them like you know on that but on a on the international sphere tell me is the uh, does the administration also accept that India can have contrarian views, like on Russia, like Mm -hmm. on China, like on Pakistan. Is there a maturity now that, hey, India will do what it wants to do, will be our ally, will be our friend, will be uh, a partner, maybe not an ally, a partner, but a partner who might have different views?
1: Absolutely. So it's about friendship. It's Mm. about uh, trusting each other. Mm. And uh, it's not colonization. You know, uh, India is too big, too powerful. Hmm. Uh, and India needs to do what it needs to do and stand on its own. And America needs to realize that uh, America, India needs to be respected. You know, India needs to be treated uh, on an equal basis. And that's what the basis has to be for a really strong relationship. But yet India and America need to be strong friends because... Uh, the alternative isn't acceptable. You know, China and Russia are colluding and uh, we cannot let uh, these dictatorial uh, reg- regimes uh, to control the economy, control the science. We are talking about uh, artificial intelligence uh, that could be a very, very beneficial to our society or it could create a lot of harm. Hmm. And someone like China, someone, uh, places that are dictatorial, uh, how would they use this technology Uh, it it can create, destabilize the world, it can destabilize and create, uh, uh, you know, uh, harm the peace uh, in the world. And uh, uh, democracies like India and United States need to work together. Uh, You know, uh, we have no alternative but to work together. uh, And we need to have a mutually respectable relationship.
0: Well, most Indians get that. Mm -hmm. But I come back to what we started with, in which I said that there's, there was a mutual suspicion. That suspicion, I think, is gone down, uh, especially, uh, uh, you know, in the bureaucracy, uh, which in both countries, nobody trusted each other. That seems to have gone down a bit. More interaction, people-to-people contact, uh, Indian bureaucrats, their children studying. That makes a lot of difference. Yes. Um, Indian businessmen, uh, people of Indian origin who are... You know, in influential positions in the u s, um, all those things matter. and uh, and yet, we live in this region. We have China in our backyard, uh, an aggressive, antagonistic China, and we have a friend in Russia. So we live in this neighborhood. Uh, the america uh, the American interest in in this region, Uh, has been served by Pakistan, neither by uh, China nor by Russia. It's been served by Pakistan, who's been our enemy number one. And now, shifting of gears, which is happening. So it's hard for this chess game, you know, for everything to fall into place.
1: Uh, What is your view on this? Well, we we need new alignments. Right. The old alignments have changed. Uh, You know, China's aggression. At the same time, China's huge economic power uh, that is, uh, you know, uh, we we really cannot predict what the dictators uh, will do, how they will, what their policies are going to be, mm. and so we democracies need to stick together. Whether it is India, whether it is uh, United States, uh, I just was spent a, t- a week in Israel, mm. and Israel has uh, a strong democracy. So these in in a very unstable world. Uh, so we need to really be protecting these democracies. We need to stick together. Uh yes we there are we are not going to be perfect, you know, not everything that India does is something that United States will will want. But at the same time there needs to be a mutual respect uh and a very strong trusting relationship. We need to stick together otherwise uh, china and russia and the dictatorial um, and uh, uh, dictators will you know we we really can't sure. let them win you
0: know on uh, the the media in america and the social media in india are completely distrustful of each other uh The traditional media or the old media in the U.S. uh, feels that there's a right-wing government in India uh, and it's curbing democracy. The social media in India feels that America only looks at its own interests. These are the two factors which are pulling apart the relationship to a large extent. Um, Justifiable or not justifiable, that time will tell. But these are two things where there is a great deal of suspicion. Uh, with regard to each other. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the media uh, doesn't always portray uh, it rightly. You know, media always portrays America being rich and, uh, you know, uh, not all America is is uh, Hollywood. Hmm. You know, there are people that live in, under poverty. There are people who are not able to afford a water bill or hmm. people that are can't uh, pay their mortgage. Uh, there are issues um, where is lack of education, Healthcare is a big issue. Mental illness is is a huge issue. Opioid crisis. Opioid crisis is a big issue. issue. So uh, each country has its own issues. Sure. uh, Yeah. And sometimes the media only looks at the extreme. Hmm. And so what social media projects or what uh, the general media projects is more of the extreme of each of the countries mm-hmm. but uh, the main uh, so the, that's why this delegation i you know brought in ji when i he and i s- spent uh, a good uh, 30 40 minutes together ji said to me that uh, uh, Shri bring uh, american congress members to india and she, he said don't just take them to taj mahal and take a picture show them how india is how in in harmony india lives uh, and different people different backgrounds live together uh, show the, the young people and how motivated they are, uh, and their their goals and their dreams. So uh, I think the more we interact with each other, and not just rely on social media, not just rely on print media, uh, the better it would be. So are you going to be briefing your colleagues in your? political party absolutely after modi ji's speech uh, many uh, americans uh, members of congress uh, uh, republican members Democrats, they came to me and they were very impressed with his vision and what he spoke mm. and uh, you know there is a bipartisan support for india and for the and finally uh, you know uh, america is recognizing the importance of india in the world peace
0: you know this uh the indian american associations in in the u.s uh they play a major role in improving or uh destabilizing relations between two countries uh they've always played a very major role whether it is a visit of an indian prime minister or uh or, or an american president uh they also are contributors uh to uh you know the caucuses which are there um what is the view and now it seems to be divided there are some associations which are you know very very vitriolic in their criticism uh, of what's happening in india and they feel that uh, a hindu uh, a party is in power in india and that is detrimental uh, to the to to india's progress um, Do you in any manner or does your uh, party in any manner after your delegation level visit, will they talk to those associations and tell them about democracy in India? Uh, Not necessarily. You can have your political views, of course, about the BJP or the RSS or or the, the Muslim parties in India or the Congress party in India. You could have your political views. But essential democracy in India, the essential systems in place in India... Do you feel that you could be able to, you could change their views in any manner?
1: Absolutely. And the more we interact, more we travel, uh, see things with your own eyes. And that's what I tell my um, other members of Congress who are critical of India, that come see it with your own eyes. Feel it, you know, see the democracy, see the freedom, see the democracy, see the, you know, uh, how uh, people live uh, and you will change your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what i I don't didn't have to really, because I lived here. I know, I lived for twenty four years, so I know what India is like. And uh, you speak Marathi I speak Marathi yeah, right. I speak Hindi I speak I understand Gujarati
0: and a little bit of Kannada and a little
1: right? bit of Kannada yes yes
0: I'm so proud so no uh, in conclusion I have to say this though you haven't eaten any of the food which has been I got the pedas because I knew you speak Marathi yes but I got that but you haven't eaten it but you know what congressman I want you to have a little bit of the Mysore Park because solpa solpa how do Right? How, Solpa.
1: Yeah, yeah. And well, you know, Mysore, I grew up eating Mysore, Mysore and Kunda and, you know, Pedas, Darwari Pedas. Darwari Pedas. Yeah, yes. that's amazing. Right. Amazing. So, right? yeah. I so, should have
0: had Darwad peda. So now there's a huge dispute which is going on, not about Belgaum, though you probably remember the period when Belgaum was in dispute, right? Belgami. Yeah. So the dispute is whether uh, uh, Mysore Park is Kanadiga. Is it from Karnataka or not? (laughs) Uh And as a
1: congressman, what is your view? Well, Mysore Park is Mysore Park. It's Mysore, it's Karnataka. You know, but I can test the ghee and the (laughs) basin. Basin is really very nicely done. So there
0: we have. So we have a U.S. congressman who's also said that Mysore Park is from Karnataka. So there you are. (laughs) Are you taking back any Mithai?
1: Yes, I will. You I always okay. do. I always do. I love sweets.
2: Okay. Even you though I'm a di- at,
1: diabetic. I, I started learning and liking sweets more after I was diagnosed with diabetes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like most Indians, I think, who uh, who are diabetic but cannot leave that mithai oh, part, yeah, right? I, I know. There's something to it. Uh, and especially Indian restaurants, I think, in America, the mithai is just not right. Not right. The dal would be good. The curries are fine. The roti, chapati is okay. But the mithai, yeah. I think, that you get in yeah, India. Yeah. You don't get that. And, and a
1: meal is not a meal until you eat that jamun or the burfi or the pedar or whatever that is. You
0: right. Know. Congressman, I want, I've heard that you sing and you sing well. So, you know, um, I want you to sing a song which meant a lot to you uh, when you were a student or later. Something that is special to you.
1: So, uh, I told you about uh, my wife Shashi. Right. And what a difference she made as she came into our broken... Uh, uh, house and she made it a uh, home again. So um, you know, m- one of my favorite um, movies is Kavi Kavi. I I must have s- seen that movie ten times.
0: Amitabh Bachchan.
1: Amitabh Bachchan. Right. And uh, so I'm going to sing this song for. Oh. I mean, I'm not a singer, so no, that's pardon funny. me. You know, I'm I'm um, perhaps uh, your viewers uh, would. Tell me that, stick with my day job and uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't ever sing. But I am, uh, just because you asked me, just yes, to respect you, I'm going to say uh, So So form for my wife. Kabhi, kabhi, mere dil mein khayal aata hai. Me to sitaro, me he, take mepe Bula, he, a wonderful. Hindi song from the only United States congressman who speaks Hindi oh. and speaks Marathi.
0: Speaks Marathi. <laughs> yeah, this this film, this song was picturized on uh, Amitabh Bachchan and Rakhi. Yes. It was, it was it, I think everybody who saw that film was touched at that point of time, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. It
0: kind of, uh, I mean, for all of us, it was the yardstick of what romance
2: should be. <laughs> yeah, it
1: should be. Right? And you know, in my family, the way they raised, my, my parents raised me is... Don't uh, see Hindi movies (laughs) and don't eat (laughs) meat. So one of the rebellious things I used to do when I was young was to go out and watch Hindi movies. I love Hindi movies. There was this is a
0: lovely. You sang so beautifully. (laughs) Okay, so So you you
1: watched movies. I used to watch Hindi movies. There was a year I counted how many movies I watched. I've watched seventy. Hindi movies. Go to the theater and watch these movies.
0: It was also the link for most expats in those days, right? Yeah. yeah. When you didn't have OTT platforms, you didn't have yeah. online, uh, you couldn't speak to your family. This was one way to connect one to way. India. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. Well, no, this was when I was living in India. I oh, used it to, was uh, in India. Yeah, okay. I used to watch Hindi movies and I used to love, I love Hindi movies. And
0: when you went to the US, then what was your connection? Then? Well,
1: like I told you, first, uh, I was so immersed in American life.
0: But later on, <laughs> okay. later
1: on, I did come back to my roots and became very involved in the Marathi. And then I hosted Marathi events at my home. Marathi, I brought over Marathi artists and Hindi artists. So, uh, so it changed. Okay. Um, but uh, and I kind of got in back in touch with the roots, uh, my roots.
0: So, thank you so much for being part of this podcast, Congressman. And hope you come back uh, to India with your family, with your sons, with your wife. And uh, you take back happy memories from India. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you viewers for watching or listening to this episode. Do like or subscribe on whichever channel you have seen this or heard this. Namaste. Jai Hind.